you know, following up after somebody's got you laughing your guts out. You know, God's good. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm so thankful to be here this morning. Um, God has really just blessed uh, the work we're doing in this little church. And uh, I guess it's not the littlest one, but, you know, for sure. Uh, these kids out here, we've been getting somewhere between lately, it's too many kids. We've been getting 15, you know, like, and, and we're trying to work with these kids on a one-to-one basis. I, got, I do have a slide up there for so, for some kids there. But uh, these kids, uh, last year we started, well, three years ago, we started our first My Faith Journey class. And uh, there was five of us. And Tanya was part of that, your own Tanya. And she came out and uh, we we went through and created this little course, and it it's 16 weeks of study, and we and we spend an hour really spend an hour a day here, every Wednesday with the kids, and we uh, talk about the Bible and talk about Jesus, and these kids love the Bible study, and and these you know they're most of these kids 50 percent at least are are not Christian kids to start with, so and last year we we're so blessed we we ended up baptizing 10 kids. So, you know, I, you know, overall, this church, you, you haven't seen them here, but you guys are instrumental in, in what's going on, you know, for these kids in, in this city. And uh, the school is being impacted. You know, we've been in, we're in three high schools and two public schools right now. And the schools are asking us to come in now. It's huge, you know, for us. We're just blessed. And uh, so, anyway, that, that's the, our group. And this is some of the stuff we do, okay? <laughs> you know? This was our Christmas thing. We wrapped each other up with toilet paper. It was kind of <laughs> it's kind of fun, and though we judged it, we had a judging thing. And, and you know, they come out; they have a great time, but they're always ready for the Bible study. They're ready to go with the Bible study. So that was one of those great nights, you know. But uh, today, I want to talk about uh, something that's really um, key to any success that we have in our Christian walk, and uh, it starts with God. It starts with God's character. Um, I'm going to read a verse. It's out of Deuteronomy. I'm going to have to put on my glasses. Yeah. I'm going to have to wear them now. So I hate wearing my glasses. But this, is, this, this scripture comes from Deuteronomy chapter 7. And it's really a promise uh, that was given to Moses and the Israelites um, after they had been freed from slavery. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for the, his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set, has set his love upon you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he has swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery." From the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands to a thousand generations. Um, So this morning we're going to talk about God's faithfulness. And I did a little study on where faithfulness comes from. And faithfulness comes from the character of God. There's a word in Hebrew, chesed. I don't know if I pronounced that right. But the word Hebrew, uh, chesed, means God's love. It means His loving kindness and His faithfulness and His goodness. And those things go together because they're the character of God. 
They're the very core of God. God is faithful. God is committed to us. And, and, and we're made in His image. So, you know, for us, you know, as people, for us to be successful as Christians, to be, we need to be in His image. That's the call that we have as, as God's people, to be in the image of God. Now, we were made in the image of God. We all know that. We were broken, right? And this is, the, this is the challenge that we all have, is dealing with the brokenness that we have in our lives. This brokenness that we fight with every day. And the key to breaking the brokenness is to, is to walk in God's character. That is a very big challenge for us, right? Um, as, as His people, what sets us apart, you know, the, the Hebrews, when they came out of Egypt... God did something very special to them when they came out of Egypt. He made them His people by giving them the law. And the law, the Ten Commandments, actually there's like 440 laws that they had to follow uh, in order to be God's people because that's what defined them. That's what made them different. It wasn't, as the Scripture said that I just read, it wasn't the number. He didn't pick the large nation. He didn't pick the Babylonians or the you know, the Hittites or one of these massive empires or the Egyptians. He picked the Jews. And the Jews were just, they were just sheep keepers. You know, they were, they were shepherds, right? And that's who God chose. And so today, we're really in that image. Okay, God's people here, we're not the largest number, especially in Canada, you know. We're small, right? We're, but we have to be different. There has to be something different about us. Okay, I'm going to read another verse. There's a fair number of verses here because I firmly believe that the truth is in His Word. So, this is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of, not, of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. But by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accept, commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think about that verse and I think about Cain and Abel, you know, and how they came and and Abel's gift was pleasing to God. And, and Cain's was probably more fabulous to look at. You know, it was the firstlings of his, of his flock and, you know, probably his prized bull. I don't think the Scripture really tells us exactly what he brought. But it was something big. Okay? You know, God's not looking for the something big. God is looking for the something that you believe by faith is His. That's a that's a, a big step for us as Christians, you know, because we live in a society where big is better, right? That's what we want, right? You know, we want the fastest car, we want the biggest house, we want 
you know, all the things want the best steak. You know, I walked through the grocery store yesterday. I saw these nice big T-bones. I was thinking that's what I want. But you know what? That's not what God necessarily wants from us. You know, He doesn't want our very biggest and best and strongest and fastest. He doesn't want that. What God wants from us is the heart of hearts that's deep inside of us. The deep part, the very center of your being. He wants you to live by faith. That's an incredible thing. You see, living by faith is not living by things that are seen. Right? It's not living by the big church. You know, some of these little house churches, I think, please God just as much as some of the massive churches because they're on their knees praying. I was talking to Bob earlier and he was talking about prayer meetings and I totally agree with him. You know, you have a church of 150 people, you have a call a prayer meeting, you get five, maybe, right? Maybe you're by yourself. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, that, that's the part of, of us that is, is really weak, actually, in, in our society. You know, and, and a lot of it is because we're so bombarded by so many things that we can have. So, you know, and, and if we don't have them, we feel like we're missing something, right? We feel like there's a part of us that we're not as successful as somebody else down the street, you know. And, and, and I remember starting Youth for Christ and thinking, what's a 50-year-old guy going to do with a bunch of teenagers, right? And, uh, you know, the first time we did it, I had to find adults to join our My Faith journey, and I was excited to have Tanya, and we've been side-by-side side ever since, praise the Lord. You know, and I've had two other adults, and there were three youth, right? And three of them weren't Christian kids. I mean, we're Christian kids, and the rest of us were, were adults. But we were kind of developing the programming, you know. But I was thinking, you know, I really what I want is I want a crowd of kids that's excited, you know, that I can talk to about God, right? But we had to move on by faith because it wasn't there. We didn't have it at the start. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. And actually, today, even today, we're still walking by faith. You know, because we still don't have our budgets. We haven't had them from the beginning. But God has always provided for us. But the group is growing, you know, and our impact is changing. And it's all because even in the times when it wasn't visible, we stepped out and we kept moving forward, right? So there's times in our lives that we're, we're actually stepping out on a journey, but we can't see the end. We can't see how it will work. That's the thing that's beautiful, right? That's the part that God wants. Because then it's not about us. It's not about our strength, our ability. It's about God's power and His glory. Okay. I'm going to read a story now about Elijah. And you probably remember this story. Elijah and the widow. It's a really unique story. Okay, I'll just read the verse first. Then the Lord of, word of the Lord came to him. That's Elijah. Arise and go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I might drink it. And as he was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God, I put a hole there, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a, in a jar and a little oil in a, in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself 
and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make yourself something and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until that day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I taught this story to the kids, actually, uh, a week ago. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to include it in the sermon this morning because it really impacted me. You know, I was just thinking, you know, I was relating a little bit to, to Elijah, you know, as the man of God speaking the word to the kids. And, and, and just how he must have felt, okay? Like, why did God ask him to go and take a widow's last piece of bread? You know, as, we, as we're stretching our legs, you know, in Christian ministry, you know, we have to raise funds. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, I need to find out who owns all the businesses in this city. You know, and I need to get out and find those people because they have the money, but in Elijah's case, that's not what happened. God didn't send them to the rich. He sent them to a lady who was going to die with her last morsel of bread. And I thought about that. I, I thought, you know, we don't think that way. You know, it's not the way we think. We don't think about going and asking poor people to help us, right? You know, I, I've, I've noticed you have a few street people that live around your church it's kind of cool actually we come here lots of times on wednesdays and there's a couple you know camped out there was a guy a couple weeks sleeping on the patio over there and isabel said to me she said you know what we we can't really do much about it but even so it's kind of we feel a little bit like it's a bit of the ministry of this church to love on these people you know but you know we're they're they're always standing there with their hand out you know but you know they don't realize they have something to give that's an incredible thing. You know, they're at the bottom, just like this widow, widow was at the bottom. But if they walked by faith, the power that they'd have, they could, they could live forever on what they had. Okay? That's the, that's the unique thing is that, you know, God doesn't use the wise and the strong and the smart. He doesn't use those people. He uses the people that have very little but are willing to give it, Right? Even the story Jesus talks about the widow, you know, the widow that gave her last penny at the at the temple. You know, that, that story sticks out in my mind because it really is a step of faith. It's a step, you know, when you're on your last penny, and I, you know, I don't know how many people here can claim that they've ever been there, but you know, when we're on our last penny or even getting close, that's when we tend to hold on to things the most, right? But God says to give those things up, even that last penny. And now this widow, you know, that was the challenge for Elijah, walking up to a widow and, and asking her for something, right? Like Elijah being a man of God, a prophet, you know, he should be, well, he was talking to kings, he was talking to King Ahab, and Ahab was going to kill him, you know, and that's why he was actually on the run, okay? 
But God sent him to this widow, this, per, this lady that had nothing, and, and, and had him ask. So for Elijah to even ask that, it's like, God, what? You know, to me, why would you ask me to even do that? You know, like, would you ask a, a poor widow for her last cake? It's kind of, you know, I mean, who here would ask a widow for their last cake? You wouldn't do it, right? It's kind of, it's totally against everything that flows within me, right? I'd be thinking, you know, maybe I can bring her a cake or something. But see, that's the way God works. He works with the weak and He works with the small. He works with the humble. So when we're really at our broken point, the deepest part of our brokenness, that's actually when God can work with us the greatest. That's an incredible scriptural principle. So the widow's challenge now. Here, you know, Think about the widow. She had one piece of bread. She had one thing of flour and enough just for one little meal. And then she was going to die. That was her. That's where she was at. So she knew that she was at the end. Okay? But she listened to God. She believed God that even that last little morsel might, you know, multiply if she just gives it to God, right? Just give that last morsel to God. Like, I can apply that in my life, you know? That last thing that I have that's very dear to me, you know, I can apply that. It doesn't matter how deep you go, you still have that, you know. You can still give, even if it's just to take a couple steps to tell somebody I love them, you know, or whatever it is, something simple. Even when you're broken to the point yourself where you can't even, all you feel like you need is love, you know. I think I think of Renell working at Samaritan House, you know, and all these ladies, you know. If they could get that principle, you know, that if they stepped out, and love somebody else, that their lives would be full of love. Right? That's how we get it, is by stepping out and loving other people. Okay. So this is, requires a choice of obedience. And when we make that choice, we encounter God. Who here wants to encounter God? Yeah, everybody, I bet you. One way or, we might not admit it, you know, but in one way or another, we all want to encounter God, right? Because we want to encounter His goodness, right? We want to encounter His love. and his, You know, when God shows up, Bob, when God shows up, people get touched, right? Lives get changed. People get healed. You know, I've seen it. I've been healed myself. My pa- last pastor got healed from cancer. You know, so I've seen God show up, you know, in that, in that moment. And I'm always hungering for that, for Him to show up. And sometimes He doesn't show up the way I want Him to show up. You know, I'm sure that widow didn't expect at that point. He thought God should have showed up maybe a few months ago. <laughs> you know, but she got to her last little bit of bread. And then God said, no, 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 give it to me. Give it to Elijah, right? That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, from our perspective, it's really hard because we've gotten to this point where we're so far away from that. Like, and we protect ourselves in that place, you know? And that's actually what's destroying our faith. Because we don't need to live by faith. And yet Hebrews, the verse I read earlier, says it's impossible to please God without faith. Like, I want to please God. I don't know, do you want to please God? 
You know, pleasing God is the core of what we are about as Christian people. And the only way we can truly please God is by faith. In fact, our salvation is by faith. You know, if we can't have faith in our daily walk, why do we expect that our salvation is going to work? You know, that's, that's an incredible thing, right? Why would we expect that? Okay, I'm going to go on to the next verse. I think I can do this. Ephesians 6. What I got up there? Yeah. Okay, Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, this presence darkness, against this spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. So in Hebrews here, or sorry, Ephesians, God's talking about making a stand. Okay? And the stand isn't against your boss, you know, or the competition, you know. You know, in the church it's interesting, you know, the the church is quite competitive. I don't know if you've noticed that, but if the very first week I spent talking about Youth for Christ, I went and knocked on all the doors of all the churches, talked to all the pastors. It was really interesting. I thought I'd be embraced, but I actually was kind of resisted. <laughs> and and the main thing that I heard was that they didn't want you know, and this was generally over. They didn't want to lose their people to something, some other ministry or organization, right? They didn't want to lose their youth. They felt, you know, they weren't saying this out, out, and out. Only one pastor actually did, okay? But I could sense this, you know, that they were all trying to hold on to their kids and protect them. And 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 some of that's right. You know, you don't want to throw your kids to somebody that you don't know. So. You know, I, I came away from that knowing I had to really work hard to gain their confidence. But the the realization of that is that the church has become competitive, you know, because we live in a competitive society. We're competing at our jobs, you know, we're competing for, you know, at our schools. The kids are really, you know, under amazing stress these days because they, you know, and, and they're committing suicide. Like, this is the seriousness of it. Um, and a lot of it is because they've got to the point where if they don't get an A, they don't feel like they're, you know, they're worthy, worthy, you know. And I think we, you know, we've kind of elevated this thing in the schools. The schools, you know, the schools have actually done a pretty good job in the last few years of making it possible for other people, other kids that aren't academics to pass school, which I, I feel personally, I think that's a great thing. However, it can open the opportunity for kids to be lazy, but the reality of it is is their worth isn't about their schooling, is it? You know, their worth, their, what a kid is worth isn't whether or not they get an A or not. And that's, that's the thing with God is that He doesn't judge according to our worth, our worth according to whether we get A's or B's. He doesn't judge that. He judges it according to whether we spend time on our knees, whether we t- spend time in His presence defending you know, against the spiritual forces and the power that we have as Christians to do that, how do we break down the barriers, you know, in, in, in other people's lives? 
You know, we want to do it by feeding them or by putting them in, you know, taking care of our kids or putting them in a good house or, you know, that's how we do it, right? We save up all our money. You know, I'm at that age now too. You know, we've saved all our money so that we can help our kids to get their feet on the ground, right? But the best thing that we can do is to give them faith, right? To give them the ability to, you know, I think Jeremy probably knows this pretty good because I know his dad well. And uh, yeah, so Jeremy's dad, you know, he just lives by faith. He just... He just expects God will deliver, you know. And and I think, would you say, Jeremy, you understand faith just a little bit? You've seen that in your dad, right? Yeah, so, you know, walking by faith is a difficult thing, though. It means being vulnerable. It means giving up some of the things, you know, maybe giving away the best part of your paycheck, you know, or whatever it is, so that you can actually walk by faith. Because I don't think we can, if we hold on to God's portion, we're actually... It's impossible for us to, to walk by faith. I'm going to move on to Hebrews 12. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may grow weary or not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. See, sin is sin is actually the outpouring of anti anti faith, because when we live by faith, we don't the faith we we don't fulfill our sin sin's desires, okay, and and by faith we have to do this by faith because Jesus did it for us, and we can't do it alone. We can't actually fulfill the need of our sin, you know, to get to cleanse ourselves from that. Our flesh, our, our flesh is not the struggle. Our struggle is with the Spirit. You know? Because our Spirit is the source of it. Okay, let's go on to the next slide there. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its worries, its own worries. Today, today's trouble is enough for today. Do you feel that way? Because that's not the way we live as a church. You know, the church is packing away money for tomorrow. That's what we do as a church, you know. We're celebrating at First Baptist Church where I I work part-time. We're celebrating the full payment of the mortgage, which is awesome, right? But we feel really awesome because now we've accomplished this thing, right? It's good. It's good. But it's not where our faith needs to be. Really, we should be always at that point of needing more. My old pastor used to say, if you haven't given to the point that it hurts, you haven't actually given enough. Yeah, it's a big one, right? So, you know, kids can't, kids don't listen to what you say if you don't live what you're doing, what you're telling them. Yeah, people, in fact, people that you're trying to lead to Jesus, they don't care about what you're saying if you don't care about what their their condition is. You know, if we're not willing to give sacrificially for people in need, you're not going to affect their lives. Your best way to affect somebody's life is to actually give something that they would never expect. And the beauty of it is, too, is when you give it away, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I used to have a motorhome. <laughs> it's gone. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Next slide. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying shall there be, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is where we need to live, really. You know, this is this is really the the end of what I have to say here today. You know, if we can live in God's kingdom, if we can live in in, in love, if we can live in compassion, you know. If we can do these things to people that don't deserve it, you know, which is probably our hardest thing, you know, I'm, I have a family that I that hates me. I don't know if you have any family problems. Anybody here have any family problems? The hardest thing in life is to love your family when they hate you. But that's what the Lord wants me to do, you know. How do I go out of my way to love those family members that are tearing me down? You know, or talking negative about me, or that that that, and and you know what? When I do that, it doesn't matter whether that family member still hates me, but his kids are going to see that I love him. So he's going to be judged by his own family. You know, that's that's the beauty that it's it's by loving people beyond what's re- rational. That's what changes lives. You know, Bob was talking about all these teenagers we have here with. Earrings, I, you know what? Tattoos freak me out, okay? And earrings freak me, you know, nose rings, all that stuff. I, I remember growing up thinking, wow, these people are all really weird, right? <laughs> I didn't want to hang out with them. But you know, God has given me the ability to look past all that now. I don't actually see it anymore. I, I, and I just, I, I just love these kids, and they just love God. They, they come to God because we love them. You know, so, you know, you have people in your life that I know every one of us here has somebody in their life that you can sacrificially give something to them that they don't deserve and follow in the image of Jesus. It'll change your life and it'll change theirs. Anyway, thank you.
God is amazing. His, you know, the closer you get to Him, get to God, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the more you realize how unified He is. You know, there's no brokenness in God. He heals us. He touches our lives. It takes walking towards God. So that's my prayer for you today. Father God, I thank you for Christ Community Church. I thank you for 35 years. I thank you for Paul and others that set this place up, God. And God, how you've used this church here, Lord, as a beacon. God, I pray for uh, each and every person here this morning that, God, their lives would be changed as they encounter you, Lord. That they would encounter you in a place that they've never expected you. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the one. Lord, I pray uh, that you would be with us this week as we go forward in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.